0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Forging the Path. My name is Adam. This podcast is all about helping men become the men that God created them to be. Uh, We fix our eyes on Jesus and uh, we look to the scriptures for our example and everything. And that's what this is all about. It's been really awesome. We're just having conversations with regular dudes around the Milwaukee area and uh, sharing what we've learned so far. Today, my guest is Jordan Mudrock. Jordan is the owner of ISI in Brookfield. Jordan and I met a few years ago, and then we met again a couple years ago. It's been fun. So Jordan, (laughs) welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good, man. First thing in the morning, got a cup of Joe and a sweet podcast to be a part of. So thanks for having me.
0: Yes, sir. It's a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure. All right, Jordan. Let's start with this. Why don't you give us uh, give the audience just a quick overview of your story, your upbringing, how you came to faith in Christ?
1: Yeah, well, um, one of the, my favorite things that a mentor of mine did every time he was about to address a crowd, right, talk to the group, he'd be like, "Hey, I'm Ralph, I'm a son." You know mm. And that just really stuck with me. when When I started getting around him, I was thinking. That's probably the central theme of the identity of, like, how I want to, you know, how I want to show up, how I want to live my life. So I'm Jordan. I'm going to steal this from my buddy Ralph, but I am a son, a son first uh, over over everything. So I love Jesus. And um, when I was a little kid, uh, I was just raised, raised in the church, raised, uh, you know, in a Lutheran church. My mom did a really great job uh, raising us most of the time. I think for a while I... You know, if you would ask me like yeah tell me a little bit about your story, I'd be like, well, I'm a product of a broken home, and that would be what I would lead with'm mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, you know like i'm a I'm a grown man, but at one time I was a little boy that my dad wasn't around like that used to be my story yeah but the the truth is, is that man, I'm like incredibly loved by both of my parents, and they did really the best that they knew how to do, and it just wasn't it wasn't the Brady Bunch or anything like that you know <laughs> but my my mom she worked super hard um she was one she's like a a career type of girl right like Mm. um she worked for Westinghouse, and you know was always in always in um this office setting yeah you know just really really faithful and uh with my dad not really being in the picture she worked incredibly hard she showed me a lot of grit and what like determination looks like Mm. and she's really soft spoken i mean like as meek as a mouse you know but uh, she gets laughing, and she's know, she's just an incredible woman. So, my mom is my hero. My dad, uh, incredible musician, always looked up to him. He also was my hero. You know, growing up, wanted to be just like my dad. Um, and so that's kind of how my story went with being raised with my sister, and um, you know was in a, was in a private school. You know, learned about God, learned about Jesus. There was a lot of seeds that were sown into my heart from a very young age. And then, you know, come high school, I just was trying to figure the world out and was an angsty teenager and had a chip on my shoulder, wasn't sure exactly what it was. Um, Once I got clever, I started blaming my dad, you know, because if somebody else can be Uh, the cause of my behavior, my bad attitude, like, you know, what have I seen works? (laughs) Well, if you blame somebody else for your problems, you don't have to own up to anything, right? That's right. And so um, I, I remember my dad seeing right through that. He's like, "You know what? You know, cut the crap, man. Like this is you keep bringing up this stuff." And uh, and I think he didn't want to be held accountable either at the time, but um I just I learned in high school how to shirk responsibility and um and I think part of that is you know, I saw my dad win over win over rooms. He'll win over crowds, you know? And I figured, you know, almost by like osmosis, I figured out this is how you get by. (laughs) Like, Mm. you just gotta be likable, be nice to people, they'll take care of you. And that's not false, right? (laughs) Like, that's not untrue, Uh but it's not the whole picture. And so, because that was my only effort, was to, um, I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to take advantage of people so that, they, so that they weren't getting the best out of life. I just didn't want to do the work myself. You yeah. know, so I'd, I'd, I'd figure out who to position myself around um, to, get, to get by in high school. And then, and then while everybody's going off to college, I'm thinking, all right, um, I have no clarity as far as what I want to do with my life. So mm. let me just, I didn't, I didn't work hard to get into college because I didn't know what I wanted to do. In my life. Yeah. And so my whole thing was I need to know why I'm doing something before I actually do it. And so if I don't have clarity as like where I'm gonna go, I might just be paralyzed forever. Like
0: So where did that leave you as an 18 year old? It for three
1: years it led me to like just living for the weekends, I'll try this part-time job that I knew wasn't gonna lead me anywhere. But then I would try this thing and there like the, the 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 novelty pursuit. You know, it was yeah. like, well, let me try something different. Let yeah. me try something different. Let me try this now. And I'd have these short-lived part-time gigs or sometimes full-time. And I was like, dude, 40 hours a week is a lot of time. Mm-hmm. It, was into my, it was cutting into my free time, man. man. And, um, <laughs> and so I just kept jumping from thing to thing and living for the weekends and chasing after girls and surrounding myself with people that were doing the same thing. Huh. right? And so everybody else was off to, to school, working hard. Well, when they came home, it was party time. And I actually moved on to Carroll campus. I didn't even go to Carroll. But just, just, <laughs> for the,
0: just for the parties. Yeah, man. I had a
1: friend that was like, hey, we need another roommate. Wow. We're going we're gonna to pay for it uh, throwing keggers.
0: So this, this lasted like, yeah. about
1: three years. Yeah, three years.
0: But then what changed? Because um, then, <clears> you, you, I, I think I recall, didn't you go to the Air Force? I
1: did. Um, and so here's a funny, real real quick, funny story. Uh, I got this really great friend, but at the time we were not good for each other. Like we would just get drunk on like on the weekends. It was Saturday and then it was Friday, Saturday. Then it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It was, it was bad. Yeah. Um, he, we, 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 we've got like, uh, um, you know, hindsight's 2020 20, now we're, now we're a little bit longer in our story okay. and, and, and we're on the rise, right? <laughs> like, the, but those were some low points. And I remember, I remember getting really restless and thinking, I need to do something with my life, and I got to figure out what I need. I probably, you know, I need discipline. That's what I need. I'll join the military. <laughs> like, this is my train of thought, right? we just gone to war with Iraq. I was like, well, I can tell other people it's because I want to serve my country, but really I just need to get my button gear. Yep. And I asked around, and um, all these people in armed services, they, they recommended it. Why don't you go Air Force? I was like, all right. Um, So I tell my friend this. And so in front of a ton of people, he's like, Jordan, you're never going to do that. There's no way. I know you. This is fun for you to think about, but you're not going to do it. And in that moment, I made the decision. Yeah. I was like.
0: Just just to prove that wrong.
1: I will write my life away. Yeah. For you know, I will be property of the military, the US government just so he, just so he can eat his words. Yep. And that really was the like the defining moment where I knew I was gonna join. Because here I was telling people about a dream or the next step. I finally had a plan, had a nudge in my heart of what to pursue. And all these people are like, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I might have actually needed that other friend to say. You'll never do it. Because oh. maybe, maybe he was right. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's cut. That's interesting. Yeah. But, you know, yeah.
1: he exposed his back row there. You should. And sh- then I took advantage of it. You should
0: call him and thank him. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for not believing in me. <laughs> that's right. It's the motivation <laughs> I needed. Those passive aggressive thank yous. So, how long were you in the Air Force and how did that change your life? Um, did it change your life? Yeah. Yeah. So, I was never a strong reader, I was
1: not good in math, and then all of a sudden I had to learn Latin for like medical terminology because so i was that was my job in the Air Force. I was going to be a medic and it was interesting the the approach to teaching that they had well first off, if you were daydreaming you're pushing like you're you're on the ground doing push ups until you can't yep and so you learn pretty quick to pay attention. Um, they also had us uh write. You know, write off, write down all the notes that you see on the whiteboard. So as they're speaking it, they're writing it, you're seeing it, you're writing it. And then you're supposed to read it afterwards twice, once in your own head and then once out loud when you're back at your dorm every day. And then you got quizzed on it the next day. And they were hitting all these different learning pathways that I didn't really tap into when I was a kid.
0: Yeah. And so all of
1: a sudden things, I started remembering things. My mind was sharp and start learning Latin phrases and all this medical stuff and I'm thinking, I can do this.
0: You realized you actually had potential to yeah, be intelligent. There, there was a switch. <laughs>
1: and I was like, well, yeah. how is the dumb kid at the top of the class? How am I getting like how am I beating everybody else? It was like, I just had this swagger about me. I had this confidence. Uh, but I mean right before that, when I was in basic training, I was told keep your head down, do not be noticed. If you get noticed, man, you're gonna have a lot of responsibility and you do not want that. I was like, no, I don't. I do not want responsibility. That sounds good. <laughs> so I'd always be like the class clown, but then all of a sudden I'm like, I, I gotta I gotta keep it together here. I don't wanna yeah, I don't wanna do lunges or like I mean I got I got a lot of stories from from basic training, but that was kind of the precursor to then school. Because then all of a sudden I was made a leader within my flight. And so a lot of eyes were on me. A lot of responsibility was
0: on me. And had you ever been a leader before that point? No. Really? I, I mean, in, in school and things like that? Hmm. Not really, huh?
1: I mean, I would say influential, not in the greatest way. Yeah. Like, I would get people to do things, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, in that sense. But, but not
0: like, in a constructive, no. organized Captain, type of way. Captain, yeah. wow. president, of, no. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So yeah, so the Air Force did change your life. And it gave you that discipline and it showed you your potential and Yeah. And you did a lot of push-ups I did and lunges. A lot of pushups, <laughs> man.
1: And and it had a way of rewiring priorities for me. Okay. Where I was always looking for comfort, I was always chasing after comfort. I was always avoiding pain. Yeah. And <clears throat> something about basic training, they were like, "We're going to crank up the dial on pain and discomfort." It was all right. It was Air Force, right? It wasn't like Yeah. yeah. I mean, I wasn't crawling through mud under barbed wire.
0: <laughs> this isn't, right? this isn't buds no, training no, for, no, for the not. seals. No, <laughs> right? I no, mean, no.
1: but it was, but they would push you to your limit of what you were capable of. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I loved it. I was like, hmm. I love this. I like to train. My, like my body felt alive. My spirit felt engaged. I felt sharp. And I was like, man, I just, I'm, I'm trying to like run two mile times. To beat me like I'm trying to like I'm trying to be the best that I can because, man, I wasted like three years of my life. Yeah. Or what it felt like a waste. Yeah. You know, and so I was kind of on this track of like trying to make up for lost time. Yeah. And I figured, right now I'm 22 years old. I, you know, I got 18 year olds coming in here. I better be top dog.
0: <laughs> you know like i better
1: be like i better bring my very best yeah i don't want to be the guy towards the bottom that you know the instructor is always on his on his backside right you know i want to be somebody that is get if they're getting recognition it's like hey way to go you know so that, that's awesome so the military really kind of unlocked some things in me yeah you know part of it was <laughs> Found out how anal retentive I can be over certain things. And so there are certain personality quirks that came with that, um, you know, perfectionist mentality and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, man, it taught me grit, determination, um, just discipline.
0: Yeah. Would you recommend the military to certain people today? Oh
1: gosh, yeah.
0: Yeah? Yeah. I think would.
1: who you become in the process yeah. is so important. Mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, I don't feel called in the middle. It's like, all right, like whatever. Like I've actually had the idea that I would love it in a perfect world mm-hmm. if everybody did a couple of years of service. But going through that process was so necessary to my maturing. Mm-hmm. Like talk about boot camp, like, yeah, dude, like I needed that. Yep. I could have used that as a 16-year-old. Oh, man. You know, like it's you funny. have somebody yell in your face and and lean into that discomfort and hundred percent own the outcome. Yeah. You know? And if you let if you let your squad down, everybody suffers. Yeah. If I made a mistake, we were all doing push ups. Gotcha. Like that's that was a lot of peer pressure. Yeah. But in a good way. And it
0: sounds like you noticed a connection between mental and physical health too in that time frame. That you just you felt alive, mentally sharp. Yeah. At the same time, you know, you're running two miles, but you're also able to retain your memories feeling, you know, sharp. And, yeah. you know, you're realizing, oh, hey, I'm actually a pretty intelligent dude. That's awesome. I, uh, <laughs> it reminds I interviewed twice with the army when I was 17 and then 18. Yeah. But I was the first kid on both sides of the family who was going to go to university. <laughs> I think the recruiters really dropped the ball in, in showing me that it's not an either or. That I could have done army and then mm. got into university. Yeah, because that's the only reason I didn't go. Really? I was like, yeah, I got it. I got it. I owe it to my grandparents on both <laughs> sides. I got to, I got to be the first grandkid in university. Yeah, everybody's you know excited for me and the family. Um, but no one in the in the recruiter the recruiters could have said, yeah, I mean, hey, you can do that and you can still you could serve first and then go and then hey, guess what? education's paid for all this stuff I kind of realized Man. in my freshman year of college and I was like shoot <laughs> like I should have asked better questions or those recruiters should have done a better job getting to know me and realizing yeah. like hey this is the tension I'm in yeah my brother-in-law. Uh, I would love to serve but I gotta do university I gotta yeah. make my grandparents and parents proud my, what, what were you saying your brother
1: brother-in-law I mean he went to MSOE he got his engineering degree <clears throat> after he was a ranger
0: yeah oh wow you
1: know so it was like
0: Army Ranger.
1: Oh, yeah, those those are badass. Oh, he's fun to work <laughs> those out. Those are badass oh dudes. <laughs> yeah, you feel like such a little boy next to this. Team. For real? Yeah, wow. he's a machine.
0: That's awesome. You work out with him too? I have. Now, when you work out with an Army Ranger, do you try and beat him? I would. I oh would. I would goodness. absolutely try and beat him. I, I don't ran, know if I could do it.
1: I ran with him once, and he. Yeah. I mean, he was in such great shape at the time because like they were just training all the time. Yeah. I mean, he looked like Terminator. Yeah. And he's, he's got his Ranger. Did you ever see those silky booty shorts? That yeah, yeah. Yes, I mean, He's I have. got those on. And he yes, feels totally okay with it. Of course. And yeah, I remember I went on a run with him. And I thought I was going to like, yeah, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape right now. Uh-huh. And he, I mean, he was probably down to like a sub six minute mile. <laughs> but I mean, he was cruising at like, there's no way he was running slower than a seven minute. When I was like, just looking for a jog with him. Yep. But, I mean, everything he does, he's, like, all out. He so.
0: toasted you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, right. sorry, this is not working out for you. I know. Yeah.
0: That's yeah, That's probably how it would go with me, too. But yeah. just, just so I could know in my own mind, like, I kept up with the Ranger yeah. in a workout. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably not. Okay. So, you were in the Air Force, uh, obviously changed your life. Uh, how many years were you active in the Air Force, and then at, at about what time... Did your faith in Christ really become alive and real to you?
1: Well, it was probably turning on yeah. um, right before I left. Wow. So I had I had a friend of mine. Um, he reached out to me, and we had gone to this grade school together. So we, you know, we knew each other as people that loved God, mm-hmm. right? But I was like, I was the troublemaker kid in that whole pot, like you know. Um, so relationship with God, yes. Prayer life, yes. Started really deviating, getting away from that. Um, not turning my back, but just just turning towards other things. Yeah. Um, always feeling remorseful, not knowing how to change. And then this guy comes into my life and comes back into my life. And we had lost touch through high school. And he said, hey, let's start doing a Bible study. And I was like, yeah, that sounds good. Like, we'll do that. Oh, wow. And we read through a, a Max Lucato book called He Chose the Nails, really, like, kind of beginner stuff. Yeah. And I was like, my heart was really starting to turn on. Because everything I thought about religious activity was typically like, let's read the Bible. And for me at the time, I didn't feel like an academic. Mm. So when I would read, I would be like, okay, well, there's some valuable stuff here, but I don't really totally understand all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. It seemed like grown-up text. Mm-hmm. You know, I was used to just chasing after entertainment so me yeah. sitting in front of a book that was a that was a feat of itself
0: but you, yeah because well in your mind you had made up you had made up your mind about yourself that you're not a reader you're not yep. academic you you you're not that intelligent and you don't usually retain much of what you read like when when you have a mindset about yourself that is those things like yeah that's a self-fulfilling prophecy for so many people yeah and and I've seen a lot of guys who genuinely have faith in christ like they, they believe in god they believe that jesus died for their sins but they they don't dive into bible study or theology because they've pigeonholed themselves into thinking like yeah on, oh, those are for the elite the those are academics. for the scholars it's like those are for fishermen and tax collectors yeah, man like that's the, right the prostitutes and the sinners like th- that's what this is for uh-huh it's for you and me <clears throat> but um you have you have to actually believe that the word of God is for everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That that sometimes is hard for some people. Yeah. 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 But I had this
1: this this guy came into my life and popped back in and we started hanging out on Wednesday nights and and he would be like, Hey, do you want to go for a run? And then go do this. So he would he would pair it with something I wanted to do. I love that. And I was like, Yeah, man, let's yeah, let's run our butts off, and then we'll go do this. And
0: I wish and, more men's groups would do that. Oh man, let's work out together. <laughs> yeah, for real. And then read, you know, whatever, whatever book you're reading in the scripture. And I thought, you know what? That's cool. Matt's
1: always been a good dude. I could use a friend like this, mm-hmm. and that just blossomed into, um, I mean, that just that that took on a life of its own, and and leading up to that. You know, there was something being cultivated and encouraged in my own spirit by my by my friend. Yeah. And so he was just calling me up to a higher level um, of just spiritual awareness and love and awareness of God and his goodness. And so he became just a really close friend. And then even after I was done with my training, so I was in my Air Force Reserve training for about nine or 10 months. Mm-hmm. And then when I, the, the next assignment was that I would go to General Mitchell, which is, you know, Milwaukee's airport, and I would drill on the weekends, and then, you know, go on a two-week two, two annual tour. Um, and so in that time of me being part of um, General Mitchell, the 440th um, reserve unit, I was probably actively doing that for about two years before the base got shut down. And so in, the, in those two years, you know, I was, going, through, uh, I was going, to, going to school. I wanted to be a firefighter. Um, you know, I kind of took a lot of that fraternal um, connection in the military. I was like, I like this. Yeah. I think I want to find something that's like this in the civilian world. And I thought, how about, how about a fire department? Like, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. And so I started going to school for that. Meanwhile, I'm, you know, dating, dating Jamie, my wife. And we had gotten together after I uh, after I was done with my Air Force training, and um, and so I was just I just got into that work ethic mode of I want to learn who I am, um, you know what does what does Scripture say about you know who I am to God, you know what's my relationship there? Mm-hmm. I want to grow my relationship with my um, I knew that I was going to marry this girl, like I knew it. I was nice. like I've got a destination with this one, uh-huh. and I just need to start becoming the man that. She needs me to be. And so I was just plugging into the Lord and being like, hey, like, I, I realized pretty early on that I was not the guy for her. Mm-hmm. Not yet. Right? Like, I wow. knew God had her for me. But I was like, this is not going to work out if I stay the same. So, Father, I need you to change me. Show me the spots where I need to, you know, get whittled down.
0: Wow.
1: And just start doing an overhaul in my own heart so that I am the man that you have for for Jamie because I know that you want me to marry her. Wow. Right? And so that was a focus. And then Jordan it was grinding. That's
0: awesome. Wait, that that we gotta pause that because there's a lesson there. That that'll preach, dude. Like you were working on becoming the man she needed you to be. You were working more on yourself. I think a lot of people at some point, maybe it's early in their marriage or in their dating, courtship, whatever. Oftentimes it happens as you get into 10, 20 years of marriage. Yeah. You want the other person to change more than you want yourself to change. And I think one of the secret sauces there, it's almost like a cheat code to a great relationship. Work on becoming the man you know that she needs you to be. Yeah work on yourself more than trying to get the other people in your house to change. I think that applies to parenting. That's yeah. just, I love that, man. That, that stands out to me as you, as you speak that, like, you, <laughs> like that's, I just wanted our listeners to really clearly hear what you discovered there, maybe even accidentally, <laughs> oh, but, yeah. but you seem to have a, an intentionality about like, no, 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 no. I'm not quite the man I need to be for her yet. Yeah. So I'm going to become <laughs> that man
1: there was a few different players in this whole thing. Like, um, so Matt, the guy that had really reintroduced me to my faith. Okay. Um, it was his girlfriend's friend. That's who Jamie is. Yeah. Right. So we were mutual friends and, um, and that's how I, that's how I got to know who she was. Um, and then when we, when I knew that I was supposed to marry this girl and that came through some prayer and that's a, that's a fun story. But, Mm -hmm. The, um, one thing that my friend Matt said, he said, listen, Jordan, Jamie is not really great with these relationship things. Like she cares about you, but it's going to be very natural for her to push away. You can't let her. (laughs) That was a total lie. Mm. He knew that she wanted to break up with me. So he's like, you can't let this happen. (laughs) So he would just start feeding me stuff like, oh, that's so typical of her behavior. Right. Right. And so I I kind of went to the lab and asked the Holy Spirit. I was like, "All right, God, I'm clearly not the guy right now. But if you had invo- if you showed me her, that I really this is supposed to be my wife, then who do I need to become?
0: Yeah, uh, wow.
1: And it just got into like being a very deep season of like like a reformation of my own heart. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it makes me want to continue asking that question of myself. Yeah. As, I, as I think of my own marriage, and I look at my wife, and now I look at my three daughters, I I want to double down on that prayer. All right, Lord, who do I need to become for these mm-hmm. people, for these daughters of yours who, who you love infinitely? Like, What kind of man do I need to be so that I can love them, bless them, provide for them, protect them, yep. equip them... And, and just, you know, be fuel to their fire, help them find their calling and just live joyful, passionate, purposeful lives. Like, what kind of man do I need to be? And if that's a daily prayer that fathers and husbands uh-huh. are praying, I just wonder what our churches and our culture would look like.
1: I'm glad you said that because I was thinking, you know, we have, we have to ask that frequently. Yeah. Instead of one time... 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And then you turn, you know, then you look across the table or into the bed next, you know, and you're, you're like, who who is this person? You yeah. know, like, have we lost each other? Yeah. You know, and I came into a season of like starting a business and then like getting kicked in the face with the reality of like, hey, don't trade your best years. Don't trade your best time for like this idea of like success. Like mm. this is, this is what you're called to. Yeah. And the other stuff that we do vocationally, those are just things we do. Sure. But your calling is into relationship and that's into right. functionality to be an expression on the earth on behalf of heaven and the, you know, yeah. like that's what our call is. Yep. It's to draw close, it's to abide. All this other stuff is like like my purpose is not to build gyms in Brookfield. Mhm. You know, it's to cultivate heaven on earth with my family, to pursue my wife yeah. And to give people a physical expression of what Jesus looks like. Yeah. Amen. I'm not trying to be a good Christian. I want to be just like Jesus. You know? And so I think that when we show up that way and we're just like, "Hey, like God, like what do you have for me in my relationship?" You know, what 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 blind spots do I have? And and really wait for the feedback and it's okay if people can, you know, just gently highlight a couple of faults. Because it's not about shame; it's about hey, like this is not good for you, and I want the best for you. Yeah. You know, when I was I was driving in the car, and I'm just like I'm just asking God, what is it that's going on in my heart right now? Like why am I so angsty? And He's like, maybe stop being a little boy waiting for your mother's affirmation from through your wife, and just be the man I called you to be. And That was a harsh word, <laughs> and I was like, all right, like yeah. That's good. Like, I can do that. Yeah. You know, but I kind of came into, my wife and I were both in a season where it's like, man, she's taking care of the house. She's taking care of the kids. I'm grinding away at business, you know, like Mm -hmm. just trying to, you know, crush it. And we're both like not at our best. And I was like, what is going on? And I was getting resentful that I wasn't getting like, you know, I wasn't getting the kind of stuff that would be most comforting. Yeah. It was, we're always talking about business. We're always, you know, it was always details. Yeah, yeah. It had nothing to do with connection. And I was like, man, I feel like I'm disconnected. Mm. And, and, it, and it's like, God just prompts me to lead. Yeah. Well, why don't you start leading with love and joy and peace and connection? Why don't you start doing that? That's right. She doesn't care how hard you worked. You're not going to impress her. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, she cares. Yeah. But it's like, is that her number one priority? Yeah. Like, I can't just substitute connection and relationship with hustle and grind. Yeah, yeah. That's not going to get me anywhere.
0: And and don't look to your wife for affirmation. Oh. Pfft. For identity. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I like that. It And I've heard that... Um, a few times from some of the, the best leaders on biblical masculinity. And it's just a basic concept of like, you, you don't go to your wife to find the source of your strength or your inspiration or your calling or your passion. You actually go to your wife to give your strength, yeah. to give your inspiration, to give your pet, to lay your life down in servant leadership. Like, mm-hmm. so you better have a different source. Yeah. And it's, of course, and it's like so obvious. It's Sunday school, like, oh, I need to go to my heavenly father with those needs and longings, mm-hmm. and he will fill my cup. And then I have something to offer yeah. my wife and my family. Um, but a lot of guys miss that. A lot of guys don't. They, they look like I, I want the affirmation and the attaboy and the, I'm proud of you from them, yeah. as opposed to, no, get, get it from your heavenly father and then go and serve the ones you're actually looking to get something from.
1: And I think that those mindsets, I think those are very subtle shifts because we can we can learn something and we can agree and believe something, right? Like we, I can hear you tell me, yeah. you should get your 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 affirmation from your father. Your yeah. heavenly father. Yeah. That's who's going to speak identity over you. But then we get into like the the everyday stuff. And somewhere along the way we start like believing something different. Like, well, Maybe if I got recognition here, maybe if this happened, maybe I'd be a certain way. Of course. And then we start blaming circumstances <laughs> rather than just plugging into right. that revelation. Of, it's easy man, to say, yeah,
0: hard to live. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so let's go back a little bit to you, 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 and Jamie now, and and by the way, we're we're. We're both ex youth pastors. That's yeah, so yeah. fun. <laughs> that should be the title of this episode. We should have had an icebreaker game, right? Something crazy <laughs> no, to eat. No, 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 man, don't Some do
1: Carolina it. Carolina Reapers or something. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I think um, you you did that for a while, but I what what I really I don't want to fast forward anything necessarily. So feel free to if you if you want to highlight something, go for it. But I also want to get to the point where how you got into your current line of work. Yeah. And why? Like, wh- how did God lead you to that? And where did the passion come f- for that? So, you know, bring us from coming out of the Air Force, Jamie, your wife, you guys yeah. have some kids, and into ISI Brookfield. How did yeah. God bring you to that point?
1: Well, I remember um, I was an EMT for about eight years after, after the military. Yeah. And um, so I was doing that and was not living my healthiest life. So I started... Yeah, I discovered CrossFit, and anybody that's ever done CrossFit, like you either drink the Kool-Aid or you don't. Yep. Like you know, (laughs) if you're not a CrossFitter, CrossFitters are annoying. If you're in CrossFit, man, they don't get it. Right? It's just like it's like a polarizing thing. It's like Samsung and uh, Apple. Yeah. And uh, so, anyways, I just fell in love with pushing my limits, and I found that to be very therapeutic, and I. You know, ended up building a garage gym, like Rogue Fitness, all the stuff, hmm. um, running up and down hills, carrying kettlebells up and down my back hill, um, like carrying rocks around, like stupid functional <laughs> fitness stuff, right? But I was chasing after the feeling hmm. of accomplishing something uh, and proving something to myself. Like, yeah. I'm going to write this crazy workout and I'm going to do it and I'm going to aim for this time. Yeah, And then it became a game. Like just like anybody competes against other people. I was always, I love competing against myself. Yeah. And, and I realized that, I don't know when I got this belief, but something, something spoke to my heart. And I realized that there was like seven or eight years in a row where my, my life just kept getting better and better in every, in every category. Yeah. I was just like abounding in so many things, just thriving. And I was like, isn't that how we're supposed to live? We're supposed to chase after excellence. We're supposed to refine ourselves and optimize our performance, our beliefs, um, our understanding, our skills. And fitness was a very tangible way for me to do that. And so I love breaking old records, PRing. And, um, and as I get older, I, I want to just keep getting better. And so now I'm 42. I'm probably in the best shape of my life. Like my nice. work output is probably like better than when I was 26. That boy, you know, or when I was like even in basic training. Yeah,
0: you know, and I, I I want our audience to hear that that is possible. I've I've talked to way too many 40 year old guys, <laughs> 40 something, yeah, that are like, oh yeah, my my best days are behind. I'll never PR again, and that I, you know you know, sure, just using age as an excuse. and, mm-hmm. and I want to tell them, no, you're wrong. Like. Why don't we, why don't we both be better in our 40s than we were in our 20s?
1: Glory to glory, man. On on
0: multiple levels. Yeah. And I get it. I get it. We live in a fallen world. Age is a real thing. You know, you're not going to like forever and ever until you're 100 just continue to, you know, get in better and better shape. Yeah. But you can be very healthy and very fit and you don't always know your limits. Like don't don't limit yeah. yourself. Like, I'll never I'll never hit that time in a 5K. Well, why not? Yeah. Why not? Have you really tried? Oh, I'll never run a marathon. Why not? You know, I, I, I want to challenge so many of my buddies who are also yeah. in their 40s who are kind of passively saying these things to me. Well, yeah, Adam, you, you know, you're an anomaly. You, you're, you're worth, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I am not. I'm a regular, ordinary, normal guy. And, and we like, come yeah. work out with me. You I could think, do this.
1: I think, in, I think when you live in a culture of passivity and comfort, yeah when those things are priority when you're consistently getting after it it you seem like a freak yeah so you probably are like an anomaly in their minds yes but these are necessary things that we're supposed to be pressing into Yeah. like you ought to be training for something I we're know. built to move we're built to do work and that we're not built to work for somebody that's going to sign your check like that's that's all well and good yeah but your 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 body is like a machine but it's a temple of the Holy Spirit that is supposed to be cultivated. Yeah. And if you don't, then what are you neglecting? You're, ne- you're going to neglect the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's right. You have actually a moral obligation to work out. Whoa. You do. Hands down. Like, it's, okay. it's, it's required. Okay, mic drop.
0: That was, that was, that was the <laughs> mic drop moment. Did you you hear that, everybody? You have a moral obligation and responsibility before God to work out. You don't have
1: to do Zumba. You don't have to CrossFit. You don't have to get into a bodybuilding program. But there's a spiritual practice that is so refreshing, and you start tapping into um, hormones and genetic expression Mm -hmm. that if you're just not moving, you're not working out, yeah, You're not challenging yourself. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen on the couch. It certainly isn't going to happen in your cubicle.
0: Yeah. Well, I know we've talked about this before, uh, either you and me, or I've mentioned it on other podcasts. It's, it's so funny to me how in our culture right now, you're not weird if you watch two hours of Netflix every night. Of course, that's after staring at a computer screen and yeah. sitting on your butt at work every day, you know, and, and then you need to unwind with two more hours of more screen time, but you're also on this this little pocket computer, 24 yep. seven, and no one bats an eye. Oh yeah, cool. You know that's normal. That's life. But you say, hey, I'm, I work out two hours a day, or hey, I'm doing 75 hard, or hey, you know, I'm, you know, I, this is what my workout. I run every day. I get up at four mm-hmm. and I run, and then and then I go. To, then people raise their eyebrows and go, whoa. Oh, you are you're weird, man. You get up early to run or you do two workouts a day yeah. or you do you do CrossFit or what you whatever your thing is. Uh-huh. Now you're weird. And I want to say no. You're not, you're weird if you watch 2 hours of <laughs> Netflix every night and stare at a computer screen all day. Yeah. That's weird. That cuz God made us to move. We're physical beings. He gave us a skeletal structure with muscles and organs and we are created to move. And I think um The statistics say that uh, right now in the U.S., the average number of steps per day is somewhere between three and 4,000. Oh, no. While a sedentary lifestyle is uh, (laughs) 5,000 or or less. So on average, like everyone, almost everyone is sedentary right now in our country, except for those weirdos who have more than 5,000 steps a day.
1: Yeah, I feel like we should feel like we should go for a walk. <laughs> We've been sitting here for too long, man. We're going to be just like everybody else.
0: But yeah, it's it's easy to overlook. Okay, even even, you know, scripturally like where did Jesus how did Jesus and the disciples get from all those places to all those other places? They walked. Yeah. Like how did they stay warm at night? They built fires. Mm-hmm. Like the so many of our heroes in the faith were very physical people. They were not like looking necessarily like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the 80s, but they were moving. They were much more physically fit and healthy than I believe most average Americans are. And that makes me sad because I agree with you. I think our bodies are a temple for the Holy spirit and we should steward them wisely. So
1: I figured that while I was, as long as I'm getting after it and I'm consistent with my training. Yeah. I know my mind's sharp. Yeah. I know my mood is better. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm I'm taking I'm I'm usually eating better. Yep. Because I'm trying not to be like you know, feel like that that was a waste. You know, I just had a Shamrock shake. <laughs> had my annual Shamrock shake, but you know, here we go. I don't need two. I don't need back-to-back cheats. Right. You know. No. Yeah. But, so yeah,
0: you've I, always been you know, well, actually, really, since since your early adulthood, you've really been into physical fitness, movement, pushing the limits. Um how like now how, how did you get into ownership of a gym in Brookfield?
1: Well, so, yeah, right. I mean, I went from like EMT, I went from airman to EMT to youth pastor. You, of course. To outside, yes. outside sales in North Carolina, selling golf products. All right. Um, to coming back and opening opening up ISI. So. And what does um, ISI stand for? Just iron sharpens iron, which I love. So yeah, I, I love mean that that, so that caught my so eye when much. I was when I was down in the Carolinas. I saw this, and it's a fitness brand. It's a franchise, um, but I started learning more about it, and I was like, wow, like this has so many kingdom principles just baked into. What they're all about as a as a culture as a company, mm-hmm. and um, and they're they're certainly not trying to be the the uh, Chick Fil A of fitness. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not trying to be oh, this is a Christian brand. It's like no man like these just kingdom minded people that just love God and love people and they love fitness they wanted to yeah. build communities where we sharpen each other through grit and determination and. You know, just integrity, just doing the right thing, doing the work, you, and holding people accountable. A,
0: you didn't put a cross on your logo no, somewhere. No, no. Yeah, hey, yeah. hey, let's turn that T yeah, into yeah, a yeah. cross Some just, made out of nails. Just like the one our Savior died on. And then everyone will know we're a great company. Yeah. Like, no,
1: no, no. But I mean, you know, it's, but, you know, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: as iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. Yeah. I mean, it's the foundation of our company vision. And values and what we want to do so we want to build build community and create a culture that affects the region yeah and so when it affects families um that was that was really my big thing is you know i was a i was a pastor for years and i love preaching i love ministering to people mm-hmm. i love teaching i love un- unpacking scripture and uh and you know when I when I went on this adventure to like really pioneer um, out in North Carolina and pioneering, what I mean by that is there was a I guess I would say more of a pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. It was like a, we went on like a spiritual retreat for two years mm-hmm. and we dug into mentorship and man it was amazing. We fell in love with everything down there, and um, that's when we that's when we learned about ISI. And we we're prayerfully considering what, where the next step was going to lead us. Yeah. Were we going to stay in the Carolinas? Were we going to come back to Milwaukee? Well, I've had, a, I've had an urge on my heart, a dream, to see the Milwaukee region absolutely transformed with the love of God. Mm-hmm. Not, hey, let's, get, let's convert all Milwaukee. Like, that's, you know, the, 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 phrase, the phrases that we use in the Christian community? And the words matter. Yeah, yeah, we need to get everybody saved. It's like, man, like what if the leaven of the kingdom invaded all of Milwaukee? Yeah. What would that do to the community? Yeah. I think that there would start being transformation before people even knew what was happening. Yeah. You know, and they got a bunch of, not a bunch of Christians, but a bunch of sons and daughters that know what their inheritance is, and now they're going to go advance. Yeah. And so when I...
0: One of them uh, is more about, let's let's see if we can get more people in church on a Sunday, and the other one is about, let's see if we can actually change the culture at large yeah. at, with, with the love of Christ. Yeah. Right? Like... Yeah, I'm all for getting people saved and healed and delivered. Like, Uh hey, that's, I'm not, conversion is not a dirty word when it comes to knowing and coming to Christ. That's Uh great, but it's, it's, I think it's a little bit of a different mindset, paradigm that we're living in. Like, I wanna see all of society and culture infused with the love of God. I want, (laughs) like, that's a bigger picture. Like, yes, of course, then. There'll be more people going to church on a Sunday morning, but then what do you do with the other six days of the mm-hmm. week? Well, then, you know, you see the change happening yeah. in the grocery store and in the office and in the gym Monday through Saturday. It's a, it's a bigger vision. Yeah. So that, that's awesome. I, and I you, love that.
1: And I wanted to go, I wanted to just get into, like, I didn't want a church job. Yeah. You know, my identity was not in a pastor. Yeah. It's as a son. Remember, remember that? Yeah. I'm a son first before anything. And vocation is always going to be a secondary expression of what's in my heart. And anytime I've ever pursued uh, a career path or like made a shift, I've been putting those things before God and waiting for the nudge. Not just like putting my head down and just like going my own way forever and that this is my life. I'm like, what's this next chapter look like? Mm-hmm. If If you want to bring us... And our story from glory to ever increasing glory. What do you got planned? Yeah. And I keep an open heart over it. And you know, one of the one of the pursuits was was opening ISI. Yeah. You know, surrounding yourself with godly counsel. And you know, on some things, I'll just like, all right, this is low financial stake. I'm just gonna <laughs> trust the nudge. Yeah. Right. When you got to put your life savings on the line, yeah. then It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna seek wise counsel on this one there as well. Go. So I had these nudges. And I was looking for confirmation, not, not trying to get confirmation, but I was like, Hey, unbiased opinion, putting, putting this before God, what do you say about this? Mm -hmm. And I've had godly men speak into it and they're like, Jordan, you got to do this. Mm -hmm. You've got to, you can't not do it. You're going to regret it. Yeah. And so,
0: so I'm sure since then it's been just easy going. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So why don't you talk, let's, let's take a few minutes and talk about, um, the path of an entrepreneur. I mean, going from, uh, something that, you know, isn't necessarily, necessarily very entrepreneurial to something that's very entrepreneurial Uh advice that you would give to other guys out there, share a little bit of that journey and what it's been like for you. Oh man. Some advice,
1: man, you could write books. I mean, here's what I
0: think. I have a conviction that small business owners are what make the world go round, yeah. uh, like economically speaking. Yeah. I really think it's it's small business is where it's at. Um, but there's a risk there and it's hard. I oh, saw yeah. it with my own dad. He's a contractor, all about small. I have a number of friends who are very entrepreneurial. Um, my wife and I are in real estate that's somewhat entrepreneurial in, in some ways. So I, I like I have a lot of respect for people who want to take that risk uh-huh. and try and, hey, this is my own business. This is my own LLC, my own corporation, my, you know, whatever. And I don't get just a, a regular paycheck with benefits just for showing up every day. Like I actually have to creatively produce something and bring uh-huh. value to people. Yep. Uh, so there's, I, I think I want to encourage guys who are feeling that uh-huh. nudge. There's, there's a wise way to do it, of course, and there's a mm-hmm. foolish way to do it what advice would you give?
1: I would identify all of the skill sets and the things you need to learn Mm -hmm. and know to be a good business operator and surround yourself with a team of people that you can pull on. Because I think one of the most detrimental things for people in business is they get in there and they're going to be the man. Mm -hmm. They're going to be the guy that wins it. And when you become the hero, um, you, you, you may just go down swinging. Right. Yeah. You might have grit and determination, all that stuff. You got to be, you got to be wise. Yeah. You can't just be like, I want it. I'm going to succeed. It's like a Michael Scott business plan. <laughs> we're going to, yeah. we're going to accomplish it because we want it more. <laughs> like, you know, no man, like you actually have to have a plan. You got to work it. You got to be coached <laughs> and you got to pull on people that yeah. have gone before you. I mean, that's why I entered the franchise model. Yeah. But even in a franchise model, the amount of things that ended up not going as planned, yep. and this is a this is a a tried and tested system. Yeah. Well, you're still going to work with contractors. Yeah. You're still going to work with, um, uh, you know, maybe you get an SBA loan. Oh my God! Like the, the process of doing that. <laughs> I, I mean, I, yeah. I, I've come out of the last year. I've got no college degree. Yeah. I feel like I've got one. I feel like I've got the education. You feel like you got one now? Oh my gosh! Yeah, and it's and they haven't been easy lessons either. I'm like, <laughs> I've got a lot of information and a, not, a lot of knowledge yeah. from a lot of experience, and it's not because they all went well. Yeah, it's because, hey, when this problem arises, what are you learning? Who do you need to become? Mm-hmm. Who do you need to surround yourself with? Yeah, and don't try to figure it all out on your own just because YouTube exists doesn't mean that's supposed to be your lifeline forever. Yeah, I love that. You know, like invite people to like speak to it and you, by that you actually empower them to release a grace they were they were assigned to carry.
0: Yeah, that's and the so, power of a team. Oh my yeah. gosh. I it, I read a book about a year ago um that was that spoke a lot to this called a uh, Who Not How. And uh and it's it's not it's not a deeply spiritual book or anything but it's the concept is basically that almost all of our problems in business and entrepreneurship are solved with a who, not a how. And in many ways that it actually applies to life too, even just, just personal life. So when you come into a problem, uh, a conflict or a situation where you need a big solution to it, you need to start thinking who, not how. And a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck in, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? How am I going to achieve? Yeah. And s- shift, just a subtle shift to, who knows more about this than I do? Mm-hmm. I should reach out. Like, who's naturally better at this than me? I should bring them on my team and empower them. Like, who can I give an opportunity to in this area because I need to delegate? And and you start asking more who-centered questions, and you get other people on board, you get them to buy in, and then yeah. and then you 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 value and appreciate them accordingly. But uh, I just loved that shift in terms of. Cause I, I'm a little bit that way too. I'll just chew on something. How can I do this? I need to try it for the thousandth, you know, a thousand different ways to overcome. It's like a guy who, you know, figures, Oh, I ran into this wall a hundred times. Let me just back up a little more and run a little faster. Then I'll yeah. break through. Uh, and that is not the way to solution. I think for most entrepreneurs, the solution really is well, a who.
1: Well, and, and one of the reasons I think is because speed and time. Yeah. You know, if time is money and you, you've got overhead, you've got things that you need to figure out, like when you're employed by somebody, it's, you're not losing any money by not figuring something out. Mm. Somebody is.
0: Someone else is.
1: Yeah. Or well, when it's your company. But you get the paycheck the when, same every yeah, two weeks. Well, that's the thing. And when the benefits are, are, uh, are attached to mm-hmm. productivity, Mm -hmm. directly then it's like well now it's necessary and you need to be decisive instead of like just contemplating forever if you if you spent more than like five hours thinking about something call somebody smarter than yourself there you go and be like hey listen what would you say if you were a person like me with your perspective unbiased yeah what's the right move
0: but that requires a certain amount of humility yeah right and, and it, you gotta
1: surround yourself with the right people. Don't don't ask your buddy at the bar. You're
0: not just asking anyone. No.
1: Yeah. You ask the pro. You ask the person that you know is 10x smarter than you yeah. in that scenario.
0: That's good advice, Jordan.
1: And so part of the benefit of me cheating my way through high school is I figured out how to hack life in a mm-hmm. way. I surround myself with the people that have all the test answers. And I ask them for wisdom. I ask them for advice. Because they're very well studied and they've proven themselves to be excellent in these in these capacities. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I don't have that. How do I what would you do if you were a person? If you were taking this test, what answer would you put? <laughs> you know, and and they're like, hey, I've t- taken that test 10,000 times and here's what I learned. That's right. And you're like, OK, thank you. Yeah. And now I don't have to do like, you know, the, the people around you are teachers. You can learn from every single person. Mm-hmm. And you could you should consider yourself as a student of all people. Yeah. Not the person that oh I'll wait till I share what I know.
0: Well, yeah. And what you're saying reminds me of another statistic that, you know, most great entrepreneurs right now were average C students in high school.
1: Hey. That's me. not
0: not all, not all, you know. And 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 I'm not bashing like if you're academically, you know, a straight A student, like then you're not going to be an entrepreneur. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that the secret to being a good entrepreneur is not necessarily having a lot of book smart yep. and memorizing for a test that you take the next day. The The secret is actually connecting with people, finding out who has a strength in an area where you might have a weakness. Yeah learning how to <laughs> get those people to help you in a way that not just helps you, but maybe also helps them. You know, that, that, those are skills that yeah, our public school system doesn't really teach, mm-hmm. but kids sometimes learn in school, yeah. right? That's uh, interesting. Well, let, let's, let me do this. Let's, I wanna ask you about some health advice, some fitness advice, but let me share some statistics. Life expectancy has decreased in the last few years in the US. It's actually gone down. Heart disease and cancer are still the leading causes of death in the U.S., uh, like way ahead of anything else. We continue to live very sedentary lives. Like I just said a few minutes ago, three to 4,000 steps is the average. 5,000 or less is sedentary. Uh, and we continue to eat more fast food and more junk food than anyone else in the world. <laughs> so, Mr. Fitness, health, Mr. Gym Owner... Jordan, what health advice would you give to specifically give to men out there? There there are women who listen to this podcast and there are women who work out at your gym. But um, what, what health advice would you give specifically to men out there?
1: Um, I mean, everybody knows that they should move more and eat better. Yeah. Right. So that's the advice. <laughs> the why is probably the important thing. Yeah. So, you know, let's see. I'm looking at my watch as if I need my watch. Why do we do that? Like I'm, I'm about to recall a year, and I'm looking at my watch. Um, to August 2012, my little girl was born, August 4th. My dad passed about two and a half weeks later, from cirrhosis. Oh wow. And so he held on to see his granddaughter born, yeah, but she doesn't know him, and he died when he was 59. And so I felt like I was robbed years from my dad. Wow. Like I, you know, we should have had, yeah. you know, Christmas is coming up. He should be there. He should be there for at least another 10 years. Oh But yeah. he's not. And so I remember making a determination in my heart that I was going to take care of myself and I was going to give my family my very best. And if I'm not doing that, I might not suffer the consequences of cirrhosis or heart disease tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. But what am I leaving on the table? Like like what the amount of energy that I have on a daily basis to engage with my kids, um, doing really hard things that are that's proving myself to myself, doing that, having some self-respect, knowing that. I am who I say that I am. I don't say that health is important and not show you that it's, and show you it's not a priority in my schedule. Yeah. Like everybody's like, oh yeah, health and fitness, it's really important. It's like, show me, prove it to me. Yeah. And if it's not important, maybe, maybe you haven't been asking yourself the most empowering questions. Cause sometimes we go into this thing thinking, ah, working out sucks, eating clean isn't fun. And it's like you, you exchange, a legacy for comfort. And it really is. Like you're bypassing years. You're you're shaving years off of your life. And you're also diminishing the quality of those years mm-hmm. by not getting after it. By not training. By yeah. not eating right. Yeah. And so, you know, the health advice is like everybody knows they're supposed to move more, they're supposed to eat cleaner ingredients and less, you know, like we don't need thirds. <laughs> you know if you got tiny little plates you might need seconds but like especially if it's a heavy lifting day but yeah, um yeah but there's i mean there there's from i've got a very formulaic way to approach my life yeah and everybody's it's going to resonate differently with people yeah but
0: can, can you share it mine yeah 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 share i mean it I, this isn't a one size fits all but if some some of our listeners can even take one or two things of of your approach yeah. and implement
1: Well, I have to have a goal. I always have to have a goal. Yeah. There's a a desired outcome I must pursue. you got to have a goal. And it has to be meaningful. Yeah. It has to be meaningful. It can't just be like, I should probably get in better shape. It's like, no. Like, locate what you like to do that will increase the likelihood of activity that will get you towards that goal. And so if it's dropping body fat, then you need to actually track what you eat, journal what you eat, and be... And be intentional with what kinds of foods am I putting in my body. Mm-hmm. And you need to move more. Go get like a, you know, go get, you know, an activity tracker, like a, you know, a watch or a pedometer or something that's going to track how many steps you take on a daily basis. Especially being, you know, such a sedentary life of, you know, office work and, you know, couch time at home. Mm-hmm. You know, we are, we are very deconditioned human beings. Mm. Versions of versions generations ago of ourselves, they would they would mop the floor with us. Yeah. The work ethic is insanely I mean, it's the presence of mind, they're not distracted, as yeah. distracted. Yeah. They're they're eating better. You know, they probably have better strength than, you know. Yeah. It's just it, they probably smoked a lot. Everybody well. smoked, and, you know. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. when you think about like the athleticism and like the wellness of people from the past, yeah. it's like we're such a sick culture. We are. Yeah, we have condition. you seen
0: that meme on Face? Uh, no, Instagram, I think the the forty year old guy, and then his his mom sends him a picture of his uh, his grandpa when he was forty. <laughs> no. So it's it's he he's it's like you know summertime. He's in his swim trunks with the with the drink in hand, and it's total dad bod. Uh, and it just, it it almost makes me angry when people talk about the dad bod in a good way. I'm like, yeah. no, this is not healthy. <laughs> Chubby, flabby around the midsection. He's he's the definition of skinny fat, you yeah. know? He, no arm, you know, and he's, of course, he's having a beer and he's in this picture. It's a beautiful summer day. And there he is in his swim trunks and he looks totally out of shape. But hey, what are you going to do? This is 40. You know, that's kind of the mentality. Yeah. Well, his mom then sends him a picture and this gets posted on Instagram of his grandpa, uh, when he was 40, uh, of course his grandpa served in world war II as a Marine, you know, but his grandpa also smoked and drank, you know, whatever. Um, and his grandpa, um, I, I think might've even boxed a little, so, but his grandpa at 40 looks like He's six pack, you know, he's, he's got military tattoos, but he's got a drink in hand and, and he just looks fit. Like he looks like if he needed to run five miles right then and there, he could do it. If he needed to drop and do 50 push ups right then and there, he could do it. He could probably do, you know, he crank out, you know, by just looking at the picture, a a number of pull-ups, he looks fit. Yeah. Meanwhile, his grandson at the same age, 40, 40. And so it's, uh, I think it's a little bit of uh, where our generation and our culture has been going even. Mm-hmm. I mean, like like you said, I think previous generations would mop the floor with us Yeah. in terms of physicality. Um, but I don't see enough fathers and husbands getting angry about that, like righteously angry and saying, "I it doesn't have to be that way.
1: Yeah, you could be the most brilliant business person. You could be an exceptional husband. Yeah. All, but you are leaving something on the table if you are not fit. Yeah. And I'm not talking about just moving more. I mean, you have like, like I said, you have a moral obligation to work out and be fit and take care of yourself. Yeah. Like why? Could you imagine being terrible with your finances and and, and act like you're winning at life? Right. Just being in, like overspending, underproducing and just being broke. And being like, I'm successful.
0: Yeah. The yep.
1: rich. Oh yeah. Those people working so hard. and Like shaming people for working hard for and working something. hard. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. It's like, these are, there's, there's certain things that we're supposed to steward.
0: Well, I think, I think actually that some of that is happening. What you just said about finances. <laughs> oh, yeah. I Let's, let's just be honest. It's, it's not just fitness. It's a, it's a mentality that is happening in our culture right now. Yep. And I'm, I'm pissed about it I I I don't want to tolerate it any longer in my sphere I don't even want to run with guys who are tempted to think like that um we, we, we like faith family fitness and finances are four quadrants that I'm like let's let's just crush all four of them yeah why not by God's grace of course like and let's give him all the glory for it but
1: I don't think he's ask, asking let's let's do to pick it one or the other let's right? do
0: it let's let's be. Um, let's be our best. How would, how would you like to get to heaven someday? And God say, Hey, you used about 60% of the gifts I gave you. Yeah. Nice job. You reach 65% of your potential. Like I would be heartbroken. I'd be heartbroken. And I realize like perfection is only found in Jesus. Like, thank you, Lord. Like we'll, we'll never be perfect, but I th- I, like I want, I still want to strive for excellency. I still want to, yeah. I want to use his strength and to realize new gifts and to continue to grow and to give him more and more praise for it. Yeah, um, so uh, yeah,
1: and that's like, you know, something that there's this guy Damon Thompson. Um, he talks a lot about is happy progress.
0: Yeah, happy progress.
1: Happy progress, and it's like it's the delight of pursuit. You know, instead of having fulfillment be on the other side of a goal, like I said, like you got to have a goal. Well, why do you need to have a goal? Because you need a target to run after. But it's not supposed to delay fulfillment until the accomplishment. Mm. Mountaintop experiences, man, they come and go. But day in, day out, a lot of times we're just getting kicked in the teeth. <laughs> I mean, yeah. for real. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a pessimist. You know that like as a that. business owner. But I'm like, yeah. man, no, like the struggle is real. Like there's stuff that happens in life that's tough. And it's not easy. But like when we when we have targets that we can aim at, we're being growth-oriented, and we're on an upward trajectory. And so I think when we enjoy the pursuit, yes. that's the point. Yeah. Heaven, is not the, heaven is not the ultimate goal for me. Mm. It's abiding. It's, mm. it's going on a walk with the Father yeah. and enjoying the story that he's creating in my life. Yeah. And you know, don't feel bad if you're out of shape. Don't feel bad if you're unread. Just do something. Yeah. You know, get on get on a path where you're going to grow and invite people on the process because you need people to hold your feet to the fire.
0: Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I, I hear you. I I think that's important. I think that's wise. Don't feel bad. I would I would say a guy like me, maybe you maybe you do need to feel bad. Get mad. Like maybe, maybe that's a better way to say it. Like some guys out there need to take a look at their life, whether it's your relationships. Is your marriage vibrant and romantic? Yeah. Are you close with your kids? Are you happy with the quality time you're spending with everybody Maybe look at your bank account maybe look at your mm-hmm. what you're producing at work maybe look at yourself in the mirror naked I like and that you, ask yourself like hey am i am I putting everything that God gave me to work?
1: I like that you rephrase that maybe get angry I think the intention <laughs> of feeling bad yeah um the way that I mean is don't feel so bad that it's disempowering and shameful. Yeah, You know what I mean? There you go. Like now, oh yeah, I'm, I'll never be this way. The downward you know? spiral yeah. of shame.
0: Yeah. No, no, like, that's, no you yeah, have that to, goes nowhere. You
1: have to get real with yourself and you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, am I who I ought to be right now? Yeah, amen. All right. Amen. All right, Father, show me. Discipline me. Not yeah. punish me. Discipline me. Yeah. I need discipline. I need... Consistency. I need like, I want to be determined in how you're cultivating my heart yep. and I want to do this purposefully and I don't want to leave anything on the table. Like when my dad, like I would be 17 years away. I would only have 17 years left if, if I lived as long as my dad.
0: Wow. That's sobering. So
1: my, so my, my little girl would be 28 and maybe, not, I don't know, maybe not married, maybe not kids. Yeah. I want to, man, I want to watch my kids grow old. Yeah. That's my, that's my intention. I want their dad to be very present for majority of their life. Yeah. Not just half.
0: Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I, I've made a resolute decision that I will not die early of poor health. Yeah, If I die early, it's going to be in an effort to save someone or it's going to be doing something crazy, awesome, adventurous. (laughs) Like I'm not, I am not going to die early because of poor health, you know? I'll die early laying my life down for someone in a dangerous situation, okay, cool, like but I'm not going to leave my kids with that thought of like, man, if Dad just would have taken a little bit of care of himself, he could still be here
1: I think being a father and a husband, man, that is um it's an incredible responsibility, yeah. and it's an incredible privilege, yeah, and sometimes we think we're just regular guys, no. We're heirs to the kingdom of heaven. Yep. And, you know, guys, if you're, if you're married, convince your wife that she married Jesus. Mm. This isn't us trying to be like Jesus. Like, he is in us. Mm-hmm. The reason we don't manifest that type of character is because we're a little bit more anchored into our fallenness. or It's, it's as if our sinful nature or, you know, the Adam dilemma is actually more prevalent in our life than Jesus's. is. Yeah. And if Jesus' resurrection is true, then we were crucified with Christ and we are a new creation. And so we ought to be walking the earth, not as a bunch of Christians that have opinions about political views, but as sons of righteousness, oaks of righteousness that are advancing, not only like, you don't have to win the region, man. Win your family. Win your wife's <laughs> respect. Do the stuff that you said that you would be doing
0: let's go commit
1: to the things that you dreamed about when you were a younger man and like are you on track for that if not reset man like get after it find somebody to run with find somebody to train with but make a determination and be a man and be about it like don't just talk about well when when i have uh it's not a convenient time to to work out right now it's not a convenient time to you know if, if 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 my schedule ever, it's not going to it's never it's never ever convenient there's never going to be a convenient time nobody like i love this phrase i keep hearing it yeah over and over again you hear this nobody's coming to save you yes nobody's coming to save you you know what jesus is our savior you're already saved yeah. right yeah. you got a relationship with him <laughs> like don't worry about his return just get after it go advance the kingdom be a son and go do your father's business man like go Go light up the world with his goodness. Yeah, but be a person of discipline, be a person of integrity, and do what you said was important.
0: Yeah, yeah. Be a man of action. It's never convenient. It's not convenient to find time to read the scripture and pray. Yeah, so that's why we get up at five a.m. to do it. Uh-huh. Right. It's not. It's not convenient to work out. Like, yeah. I guess that's that's why we put it in my day. I, I put it in my day as time blocking. I treat it as an appointment. So when someone says, "Hey, man." let's do this at this time. Like, Oh I got an appointment. I can't. <laughs> oh really? What are you doing? The appointments with myself to work out. Oh, come on. What are you talking about? Uh. We can, no, no. If I don't treat this as an appointment, I I'm not going to reach my potential. Same thing with like, you know, in, in my business, lead generating, you know, you call it a, a hour of power or whatever. Like that's an appointment. A lot of people in the real estate industry kind of treat that as an option. like, Oh yeah, sure. I'll grab coffee with you at nine. And sometimes I have to say, I can't actually have an appointment because from nine to 11, that's my lead generating time. I have to do that. Otherwise we might not have a closing next quarter. So you get real serious because guess what? It's never convenient. Never get over that idea. It never will be. Yeah. So you just lean on discipline, double down on it and book it as an appointment.
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, the, the the thing in um, in our society now is, we will only do things we feel like, oh, and that's man. like the motivation. Like, if I, if I feel like it, <laughs> you know, like we 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 got people that are um, at our facility. I mean, we don't call it a gym; we call it a training facility. You Love know, because um, you're training. Like, we're we're coaching. We're not your trainers. We're you yeah. like we're your coaches. We're gonna coach you to get results. And some people are like. You know, when I'm talking to them about their goals and all of these things, they're like, Well, what what time are your sessions? And they're like, Ooh, yeah. Well, I would never do a five AM or a six. Like, I don't I'm I'm a night owl. It's like, did you want the results that a night owl has? Like all your excuses? Like, I was a night owl. I was a nighttime person. Guess what? I changed. Yeah why? Because successful people get up early.
0: Because you felt like it. Oh no! Wait. No man, <laughs> no, I never you didn't feel, feel like taking like like it, a sh- dude. <laughs> dude.
1: I hardly ever feel like working out. Yeah, me neither. There's there's a little bit of excitement, but, I'm, but there's some apprehension. Yeah. So it's not like oh. I'm going to unwind and work. No, man, I know I'm, I know I'm going to be battling demons, man. I know, I know. I'm going to get in a fight.
0: I think for, for any, it's the Pareto principle. 80% of the time, I don't feel like it. Yeah. 80% of the, and, and, and I would apply that to almost anything. <laughs> Jordan, 80% of the time, I don't feel like opening my Bible. 80% of the time, I don't feel like going to church. Hey Adam, can you come in here and help me? <sighs> Eighty percent of the time, I don't feel like making that phone call or sending that text to that yeah. client. You do it. You do it. You know, twenty percent of the time, you might feel it. You might, hey, I got. To, I'm looking forward to. I got the end. Yeah. The people who succeed are the ones who get over their feeling. We're such a feeling you know, generation. That's a good feeling <laughs> that's a good feeling. Accomplishment.
1: There's a good feeling. It's something you can be proud of. Like I did some hard work. <laughs> right. I did what I said I would do. Right. You know, sometimes. I'll write something down that I just did on my to-do list just to cross it off. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. That should have been on there. Stack, this is satisfying. Stacking those wins. Oh, man. Yeah. And it's, you know, a lot of that is about getting wins and and having yep. um, having earned, I don't know, you have earned evidence. You uh-huh. have, like, earned confidence. Yeah, Like, I accomplished something. Yeah. And I feel good about doing what I said I would do. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that um, you know when we when we start just making up our minds on who we want to become, you just need to get into the lab, yeah, and you need to like find the people that want to be running with you, yeah. And honestly, this might sound a little cold-hearted, but like I don't spend a lot of time with people that are like lower producing than me. Mm -hmm. There's people that I feel like are convincing that I'm supposed to be running with, but other than that, I'm surrounding myself with a players that want to they want to win. Yeah, I, I'm not leaving people on the side, like you know what I mean. Like I'm not trying to step over people, right? But if I'm going up the mountain, I'm inviting you with me. And if you don't want to go, like you can stay there. But I'm not staying at base camp with you forever, right? Like we're we're going up the hill.
0: yeah So yep. you're coming or not? Yeah, Because because you're the sum of the top five people you spend time yeah. with, right? Like that study says, and uh, and I've found that even as um, okay, we're both. Youth pastors. It's not my coffee. Almost no. It's empty. Actually, Who's going to reach for my coffee mug. It's a nice mug, though. Um, I found that. As, so we're both youth, youth pastors. We have a desire to influence people. Um, I, I've grown a little wiser in. I, I want to be careful with, and I, I think this applies to a lot of guys out there. Be careful with which direction the influence is going. Uh. Right. If someone's not, look for those who are teachable. Right. So if someone is below me in certain areas and and wants to you know learn from me, like the first question I'm asking is are, are they teachable? because I'll invest in them. I will mm. I will pour into you if you're just beginning in business or if you're just beginning in fitness, if you're just beginning a family and you want a little mentorship, if you're teachable, game on. Yeah. That's awesome. If you're complacent, if your mind's made up, if you just don't feel like it, um, yeah, I'm prob- I'll meet with you once and that'll be about it. <laughs> that'll be about it. I think, I think Jesus looked for the ones who were teachable and he invested most of his time in them. And yeah, every once in a while he'd preach to the masses or really lay into the Pharisees. Yeah. But then where did he steal away with and spend most of his time? Mm-hmm. The ones who really wanted to hear him, listen to him and implement what he said. Those are the ones he doubled down on. Yeah, there is a leadership principle even in and that. I
1: like what, what, what he invited them into was to minister with him. Yeah, it was a
0: partnership. Oh, yeah, it was a team. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. I
1: am raising up. You know, like he, he called them friends, but he was raising up sons that knew how to be fathers. You know, like he was he was like he would call them brothers, he would call them friends, but like really, he was a father figure to them. Mm-hmm. And he was taking young men and instilling confidence in them speaking the, like, it's just crazy. I mean, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what uh, three years of, of that would have been like. Yeah. Um, but he he saw purpose behind it.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it was, come follow me. Yes. And then they followed him. They followed him. He didn't just stay and beg and plea to yeah. finally, like, get it. Come on, it guys. Was like... <laughs> Come on! Is anybody coming with me? Yeah. Um, and then he and then he went around and he took, he took these mighty young men, and yeah, you know, formed something in them.
0: Yeah, because because they felt like it. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I love that. I've noticed. Um, I think it's a problem, and it's right around our age group and below. I've I've noticed like forty low forties, and below. We'll say things like, oh, I feel like I left my keys in my car. (laughs) You know, we'll say, and, and I'm like, no, that's not a feeling. That's a thought. I, I think I left my keys in my car, but no, they're rough. They're a feeling generation. Okay. So I don't want to be so hard on people in a way that's really good because some of the older generations bottled up their feelings. Yeah. And they didn't have anybody they could be vulnerable and honest and authentic with. And that w- that's detrimental. You know, they, they knew how to fix anything with yeah. their own two hands, but they didn't know how to tell their buddy who they're working on the car with about their struggling marriage, right? And so that's, yeah. a, that's a problem. I don't want to be that way. But I also don't want to be, I think we've overcorrected. I don't want to be feeling everything when it's re- like, because now my feelings lead me. And I don't want my feelings to lead. I I want the truth to lead me, and I want my feelings to follow, get in line with the truth. And sometimes that takes discipline and time and effort, but those feelings should come Mm -hmm. and let truth lead them. So uh, I've just noticed a cultural, like, yeah, my dad says, oh, I think I forgot something. My wife and my kids say, oh, I feel like I forgot something, you know, and it's, and it's fine. Okay, fine. Whatever. It's, it's, it's not that big of a deal in those contexts, but it can become a much bigger deal when you're starting to feel everything and mm. think nothing.
1: Well, there's so much of our body mind connection, right? Yeah. There's like, we have like gut instinct, right? We, yeah. have, we can, we can feel things with our gut, can, <laughs> you know, like I kind of have this like this feeling that this is going to happen. and Maybe it does. Right. Yeah. But there's something subconsciously tied to something, right? I mean, like I, I do believe that God gives us insights. I think He prompts us with things. I think that there's sometimes where you might be in a certain room and you just kind of feel an energy. Like yeah. there's there's certainly things there. Agreed. But when we when we take thoughts and we're we're deceiving ourselves and then we start feeling a certain way, yeah, then that 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 gets pretty dangerous. It does get and dangerous. And so when I'm feeling not really when I feel like a little bit foreign to um, peace yeah, and I'm getting anxious or I'm getting worried or I'm getting frustrated, I'm going to go to the person that has the kind of fruit in their life that they've got the integrity to not spare my feelings and they, they have the fruit in their life that I want to live. Let's like, go. So when they have the kind of relationship that I want... That's the person I'm going to for marriage advice. The person that is married, not that's been married, the person that is married that has a thriving marriage. That's the person I'm going to talk to. I don't need somebody to say, "Hey, um, I need to talk to you about my marriage." And they, you know, they're not with their significant other anymore, yeah, right? I'm not, I'm not no. going to throw shade at anybody that's gone through divorce. I'm just saying, I want to be around the people that actually are living in the championship era of their relationship. That's right. Because they're probably doing and believing things that I need to redirect. And so my feelings of like, you know, what I'm going through with my wife or whatever, I don't need a pity party. I need, I need a strong voice in my life. That's going to say, all right, Jordan, I've heard you for two minutes complain. (laughs) And I need you to get through your frustration so you can step into the next thing. Yeah. So what, like, what do you need to forgive? What do you need to, where's the lie? What's coming in here? Yeah. What's provoking your heart? Why are you feeling this way? Mm-hmm. Okay, well let's deal with that. Not like, yeah, I kind of feel like I'm a cat today. <laughs> I kind of feel like, you know, I identify as a cat.
0: There's a lot and of that I, going on in our culture too. And Jordan. I just, and I just learned that,
1: <laughs> you know? Um, but I'm like, Dude, I feel like a lot of things, a lot of times, I don't make life decisions based on my current feelings. Amen. I have to steward my feelings. Like, emotions serve us really well, but they make a terrible master. Ah. Uh, that's a Chris Valentine quote. But that stuck with me. Solid. I was like, dang. Yeah, like, emotions are okay. Feelings are okay. But they shouldn't steer the ship. That's right. That's right. You know, it's, it's more like a, uh, an engine light. Yeah. And it's telling you something. Yeah. You mad about something? All right, well, what is it telling you that, you're, that you value? Well, you know, I'm mad at this person because the, they did this. All right, well, what did that provoke? Provoked a feeling that they don't respect me. It's like, okay, is that true? Right? Don't end the friendship. Yeah. It's because you fe- like, your feelings
0: got hurt. Yeah, that's awesome. Well said. I love that quote. Say it again, the Chris Valentin.
1: Oh, yeah. Emotions or feelings, they can serve us really well, but they make a terrible master. Amen. You we, know, and one more thing is that um, emotions don't validate truth. Just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean it's true. Mm-hmm. Emotions only validate what you believe to be true. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I believe this is true. You know, and it's like, okay, fine. you like, you're, you're emotionally validating that. But just because you have a feeling doesn't make it so.
0: Yeah. And so. Yeah, well said. What's
1: the most empowering belief that you can have? Why not just, why not just believe that? Right? Why not just believe that? Like, I, and I think that truth is a person, it's not just a concept. Mm-hmm. I believe that Jesus is truth. And so if it looks like Jesus, maybe it's true course right if it doesn't look like jesus well let's inspect upon this Mm -hmm. if it doesn't look like the person of jesus christ of nazareth that's right do your feelings matter more or the evidence of like purity and truth yeah yeah and so
0: well said we could end right there but i want to ask you one other question um to take us to the outro jordan in your opinion What does it mean to be a strong, godly man?
1: Well, I mean, there's a few, but I think men need to be people of their word. Mm -hmm. I think we've lost a lot of that. And you can believe a lot of different things in your mind. But, like, what are you actually living out? I mean, that's really a little bit more of the acid test. We, we, We become very philosophical in our belief system. Rather than practitioners. Mm -hmm. And so I don't wanna live in theory. I wanna live in evidence. I wanna have the evidence of a good life. You know, not just like, "Ah, I hope I get there one day. Yeah. You know? And I think that when you start identifying and inviting, like, you start identifying the things that need improvement and you really ask for insight um, from godly people around you and ask the Holy Spirit. Invite inviting God in your process. Like I think that that's really important, and yeah. so we can have our plans of. Um, I did have the luxury of having clarity on what I what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I grew up not really knowing who I was, and then I got introduced to the Son of God. And for a long time, I identified more as a sinner that was forgiven, than as a son that was rescued.
0: Mm. Well.
1: And, and I think when we start seeing ourselves as sons, not Christians, but sons, yeah. the world can interpret us to be Christians based yeah. on where we attend, what we talk about, who, is, who it is that we say we love. But I want to be known as a son, and I want to see myself the way Jesus sees me. Yeah. And I want to start walking with the inheritance that he has. And I think a godly man... Doesn't just practice things like he looks like Jesus. That's right. He's gentle. He's a servant. He's super humble. He's got deep conviction. But he's always on the growth path. Mm-hmm. He's always looking to to empower, encourage, equip for a purpose. It's That's not right. just making people feel good. He said there's some biting, you know, some yeah, frosty words, man. Yeah, he did. You know, but he just cut to the heart. And he didn't sugarcoat anything. Nope. But instead of raising accusation, he would always speak to identity. Yeah. And he would bring restoration to people that, were bro- that had broken identities. Yeah. And he would course correct the religious yeah. and the academics and be like, Pfft.
0: oh, man. Yeah, I hate it when people talk about Jesus as if, you know, he was just a nice guy. No. He was Mr. Mr. Rogers, except 2,000 years ago. Like, no, you don't get crucified for being a nice guy.
1: I think he was ferocious <laughs> you know, in his convictions, right. and he was diplomatic in his delivery. Um, but he, uh, yeah, it's not blonde haired blue eyed Jesus. Mm-mm. You know, he's not Norwegian.
0: <laughs> you know, not a Scandinavian but fisherman. He's, yeah, yeah, he's he's
1: he's a tough guy. He's he's a really good king. Yeah, you know, everybody wants a king like Jesus. Everybody would want a king like Jesus. Why wouldn't they? Hmm. He's so good. Hmm. A lot of times, people just don't want to give up their behavior. Ah, uh, right. It's like, don't tell me I'm bad. It's that's like, right. No, you're not bad. You're just doing bad things, man. That's you're, right. You're, you're you're born for something so much higher. So let's just do those things. Love it. But I think I think identity will mm-hmm. always precede. Um, A lot of times we talk about manifestation, right? Mm. So many people that focus on the outcome, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that Christians get a little like turned off, like, oh, yeah. Oh, they're all into manifesting. It's like, well, why aren't you? Mm. Why aren't you into manifesting Jesus? Why aren't you into manifesting heavenly realities? Mm -hmm. Why do you believe yourself to be more human and average and common than somebody sent from heaven to go redeem a broken world? Yeah. That's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And so I think you need to get on a rescue mission for who it is that you want to see transformed. Yeah. And get a vision for your life that is not about climbing a corporate ladder, but about seeing generational and regional transformation. That's right. And when you start believing in those things, you start positioning yourself in a place of authority to go after those things and surround yourself with men and yeah. women that are that want the same thing.
0: I think as Believers as sons, I'll use your language, we have something way more powerful than the worldly version of manifesting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, and it's and it's not, you know, like, oh Lord, if it would please be your will, <laughs> could you maybe give me a good day today? No, like that 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 type of praying is just not that's not what Jesus taught yeah. us. It's a confident, boldly approaching the throne of grace and saying, Hey, heavenly Abba, it's me. <laughs> you love me. You shed blood for I I'm here. I have requests. I have intercessions. I want to see you do awesome things that only you can do. And this is this is what I'm asking. And it's yep. with a certain degree of boldness and confidence, not in myself, but in you, in yeah. your great love. Not in my goodness, in your goodness. Hey Dad, what Let's do you want to do today? Go, you know. And uh and that 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 type of praying, it scares people who aren't Christians at all but it it I found it also kind of scares a lot of people in church too yeah you can't pray that like read the Psalms look what David said like you can you can boldly say things uh-huh. to a God who loves you and
1: I believe that he wants to co-create so the things that we're declaring over our kids over our our marriages over our businesses over our friends you actually release a grace for things to get stirred up and activated and when you withhold and you're just like Lord if it be your will bless him it's like dude it's his will he wants to bless it's his will why don't you start (laughs) speaking and declaring and start moving moving the needle
0: let your kingdom come let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven that's right man that's how he taught us to pray so yeah I mean just think of in heaven right now like, is there uh sin? No, no. Is there sickness? No. Like, is there lack of faith? No. So, so you can ask like, okay, I know th- that stuff doesn't exist in heaven. I'm going to pray for it to exist on earth the way it exists in heaven. Yep. And I can pray boldly and confidently and it will come to pass. Mm-hmm. Timing is really up to him, but you can just double down on no, I know his will. His will is for people to be healed, for people to know him, for people to yep. experience his love, to walk with him, for people to flourish in a biblical sense, like prosper in a mm-hmm. biblical sense. No, I know. I, so I can just confidently ask and declare. I don't have to sheepishly. Well, maybe kind of sort of if, if I know you're busy with stuff <laughs> in the Middle East, but could you kind of maybe help me and my family today? Uh, come on. Uh, we don't need to pray that way. Uh, Jordan, tell us where we can find you uh, in the Milwaukee area, people who are looking to get fit, looking to get healthy, or maybe just looking to grab a cup of coffee with a cool, awesome dude.
1: Yeah, uh, so you can find me on Instagram at jordan.mudrock or at isi.brookfield. Yeah. Um, and so, we, yeah, we've got, we've got an amazing facility and team of people over on Blue Mound. It really so is. So isi Elite Training. Stands for iron sharpens iron, and that's really the baseline of what we do. Like, um, we do not want people to join another gym, uh, we want people to be very purposeful and intentional with hey, what is your desired outcome? Where do you want to get to? All right, let's go knock it out. You know, yeah. do I have permission to speak into your life and hold you accountable to your goals? And so, I think what people lack a lot of time is consistency. Mm-hmm. And so, that's why we exist, that's why we wanted to, um, but. The biggest vision and and dream for ISI Brookfield is that it would be the kind of kingdom culture that just starts spilling out to the businesses around us. Mm -hmm. Like, no matter what I do, I want to see generations transformed. And I want to see the Milwaukee region absolutely lit up with the love of Jesus. Yeah. And so this is just a secondary thing. It's just more of a vehicle for me to do that in the marketplace. That's right. And so I think if you've got an assignment on your life where you're like, hey, I feel very passionate about this vocation or this, you know, this project, man, partner with the Holy Spirit and partner with people that want the same things because there is an energy there that like when if you feel like you're doing something on your own, man, it gets exhausting. Yep. But if you're on a team, and we're all like moving this ball down the field. That's right. You feel like you're part of something that's that's progressing, yep. and you got people that are on your team that they got your back, and so finding kingdom entrepreneurs to run with, mm-hmm. not just people that are savvy in business. Yeah, and those people have tremendous value as well. Yeah, but yeah,
0: yeah. I've I've worked out at Iron Sharpens Iron. It is awesome. It is. Uh, it's exciting. Like you and your coaches do a great job of bringing the energy, making, uh, physical pain feel awesome (laughs) and encouraging people along the way. You You meet people where they're at. It's just a cool place to be. So you guys all really should check out ISI in Brookfield. Check it out today. Don't wait for like some sort of new year's resolution. Just check it out. Look up Jordan on Instagram and, uh, and let's, let's grow together. Let's, uh, Let's, let's look at this. Happy progress. The delight of pursuit. That was my big takeaway. I think I might title the uh, episode after that, but Jordan, thank you so much for what you shared. Thanks for being on this episode with me. It's
1: a pleasure.